Joyful Anticipation. That's our title today. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16-24 is our text. Today is the third Sunday in Advent. During the season of Advent, uh, as we, we look back with, to the sense of anticipation and the arrival of baby Jesus in Jesus' first Advent, there was anticipation before that. Uh, time. We also look forward in anticipation to when Jesus comes again in his second advent. And during this season, um, this year, our sermon texts are coming from the epistle reading of, our, of the lectionary. Last week, we heard from Second Peter. Today, we hear from First Thessalonians. And next week, we hear from First John. These texts coming after Jesus' Uh, resurrection. They naturally look forward toward Jesus' second coming, towards his return. They do this in the context of Jesus' first coming, as those who are writing these things are witnesses to Jesus' coming the first time. Today our text comes from 1 Thessalonians. Um, back in October and November, we went through 1 Thessalonians for a few weeks, for four weeks, chapters 1 through 4. Um, chapter 5, the first verses of chapter 5, were the scripture reading uh, the, the week before Thanksgiving. Pastor Mark on that Sunday gave the message that week from the, uh, from the uh, gospel text in Matthew. And uh, as he talked about living while waiting for Jesus' return and what that looks like. And so we got to benefit from that as he spoke from Matthew, from the gospel text. Uh, the week before that, if, you're, if you were here, if you're thinking back to those as we were in 1 Thessalonians, the week before that we heard from the end of chapter 4 where Paul wanted to give hope to those who were still alive but had loved ones who had died. We found that he expressed to them and gave them hope that in dying, those who had died and those who would die would not miss out on the blessings of Jesus' second coming. Continuing on to the first part of chapter 5, he then emphasizes, as we saw also last week from Second Peter, that Jesus' coming will be sudden, like a thief. Un, the, the particular day will be unexpected. But Paul, like Peter, encourages the people not to be surprised, to be instead prepared for Jesus' second coming, to be prepared in the way that we live. We look forward to Jesus' second coming with anticipation. No, no matter how far away it is, we look forward anticipating that, looking forward to enjoying that day. Last week we saw how we live in patient anticipation. We saw how our patience, as we wait for Jesus' second coming, is re a reflection of God's patience for people to hear the good news of Jesus and to believe that before judgment comes. And so we can wait patiently because we know that that's what God is working towards. Today's text contains a few brief little instructions. These are, there are some, also some others of these instructions in the verses just preceding our text today. And this comes, we start kind of in the middle of that. Um, as a conclusion of this letter to the Thessalonians, 
uh, Paul is writing, uh, that Paul is writing here, these are in a way kind of a broad uh, scattering of different thoughts and encouragements that Paul has for these Christians in this city of Thessalonica. Our title today, Joyful Anticipation, comes from the first verses, the first verse, in fact, of this text. As Paul takes a break from listing his his little um, instructions and encouragements are talking about how we relate to one another. And so he takes a break from that, and he goes on to the broader theme of what, what should our attitude be like in life? What is, what is good that we can... Ha- what kind of an attitude is good as we go through life? And, and encouraging towards that. Now, there's more in our text than just speaking about being joyful. Um, and what Paul says in these verses go, is more broad than just being joyful and waiting in joyful anticipation. But that's the context in which we're going to think about it today, as we're going to place his words particularly in that context and think about how they apply as we think about joyful anticipation. And then what he says as well in the following verses, following that first verse of our text. So as we listen to our text today, we hear what Paul tells us about joyful anticipation of Jesus' return. Our text is 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 16 to 24. I'll invite you to stand as I read that. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 24, reading in Jesus' name. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you. In Christ Jesus. Do not quench the Spirit. Do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Hold on to what is good. Reject every kind of evil. May God Himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and He will do it. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this word to us this morning. Thank you for these encouragements that Paul gives, first to these believers long ago, and also to us. (laughs) And uh, as we think about these encouragements to live life in the reality of uh, what you have promised, and as we can be joyful in that, I ask that you would speak through this to us today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. may be seated. I'll invite... um, any of the kids that want to come up to come up to the front here? Like to? Come on up, have a seat. <laughs> All right. Well, you got a spot right there? All right. Well, what's coming up a week from now? Do you guys know what's coming up in a week? Christmas. It's coming up, right? What do you guys like about Christmas? Anything in particular? What's that? Oh, your birthday? Yeah. You like being with your family? Yeah, what else? The decorations, the lights, yeah, presents. We like to open presents on Christmas. What else? You can get up early? You're excited to get up early. Other days you're not excited to get up early. You can always get up early, right? 
The birth of Jesus. Yeah, there's a lot of things to look forward to. There are a lot of ways that we celebrate. And um, some of those things that we look forward to, some of them we can enjoy right now, right? The lights and the decorations, we have them up and we can enjoy them right now. But some of those things are just on Christmas or maybe Christmas Eve, right? If we open presents or particular ways that we spend time with family, those are just on that day, right? Do you think we can be excited about those things even if they're not happening yet? What do you think? Yeah? What do you guys think? Do you guys think that we can be excited about maybe presents or time with family? Even though we're not enjoying it yet, we can look ahead and be excited about it? Yeah, I think we can. Today, our text today tells us a little bit about being joyful, about being happy and excited about something that is not here yet. When Jesus comes again, that's not, he hasn't come back yet. But he will, and we can look ahead, and we can be joyful as we look ahead to that. So listen for that as we think about our text today. Here's um, something for you. You can color that if you'd like to, but that's um, a Christmas tree, a smiling Christmas tree. Isn't that nice? You guys can see that. A smiling Christmas tree with presents. So if you guys would like, do you want to hand those out? Boaz, are you going to hand them out to everybody? Okay, hand them out. Jonah can hand some out. All right, and you guys can go back to your... Go back to your seats. Thanks for coming up. (laughs) Yeah, lots of things to look forward to, right? On Christmas. Some of them we enjoy right now already, and some of them we look forward to on Christmas. Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, we like some of those things. Well, as we think about our text today, we don't have... Chap, the chapter and the verse numbers in, you know, what you read on the screen. We don't see that in there. Um, and those aren't, you know, they're not inspired anyway, so it's not really all that important. But if you were looking in your Bible, uh, you might have noticed that these verses are very, very short. Um, several of them are, at least. Uh, you know, when there's a Bible memory comp- uh, competition, maybe the kids sometimes have that, you know, what verses have you memorized? And, you know, I- I've been to places oh, a long time ago, but where they said, okay, let's see, you know, maybe you have a couple groups. And, uh, uh, and who can tell me a-, a verse that they've memorized? And then you alternate between sides and see, you know, just, just any ones you might know and uh, tell what you've known. Well, if there's ever a competition like that, the kids especially, maybe us adults also, like to find short verses, right? And uh, maybe everybody knows that the shortest verse in the Bible is John 11:35, which says Jesus wept. You might know that one, right? That's an easy one. Um, well, here we actually have a few more two-word verses, or, and, uh, and then a few that are just slightly longer than that. Um, you know, as an aside here, if you're looking to memorize short verses, you could also memorize verses from First Chronicles. Uh, the beginning verses are, are just names. Uh, Adam, Seth, Enosh, that's you know, verse 1. So, you know, that's pretty easy to memorize. But, uh, but that doesn't really have anything substantial for us today. You know, that's the name. The genealogy as a whole tells us something. There's a reason why it's in Scripture. Um, but not, you know, those particular names in those verses. But here... Um, If you're wondering why am I talking about the length of these verses, well, this is the reason. Because here, we might know these are very short verses, but they are really the words, the two-word verses here are densely packed with meaning for us, even though they're very short. We start out with verse 16, just two words, rejoice always. 
That's pretty simple, isn't it? Simple to say, rejoice, always, but packed with meaning. What does it mean to rejoice? Now, maybe we don't really need an explanation of of what it means, of what that word means, to rejoice. Maybe we can stop and just think about that for a little bit. We, want, we think of it as being, being joyful about something, happy, maybe happy that things are going well, possibly. Um, we think of the act of expressing joy. Maybe, maybe rejoicing seems like a reaction to things that are good that are happening. So something good happens and you rejoice. And it's, a, it's, a, it's an expression of joy that we might be feeling about something. What about always? Well, I suppose that's very clear also. Always is pretty clear, isn't it? Every moment, every day, no matter the circumstances, always, every, every time. Um, you know, if we say that God is faithful and that he is always faithful, we pretty much mean that there's no exception to it, right? That's what the always means. He's always faithful. There's no exception. And, you know, that's a really good thing. That's a really good thing that we can use always in there. So if we put these two words together, what does it mean to rejoice always in every circumstance and at any time rejoice? Well, what about when we're working through injury and illness? Can we rejoice What about if relationships are damaged and we're not getting along with someone? Can we rejoice? What about celebrating a holiday for the first time after we have lost a loved one? Can we rejoice? What about celebrating a holiday when there's animosity between family members? We have this thought at the back of our mind that there's something torn about that holiday. What about when neighbors or co-workers don't like us or the stresses of life seem like too much to bear? Can we rejoice? We'll consider in a moment why we would be able to rejoice in any of these times. Um... First, let's hear what other, th- <clears throat> excuse me, what other things Paul ties together. Let's see what other things that Paul ties together here and why they might help us to rejoice always. The next verse says, pray continually. As we asked about rejoice and we asked about the word always, we might ask also about pray and continually What do those words mean? What does it mean to pray? Now, we could easily answer, it's talking to God. Now, what about continually, without taking a break? We might uh, think of continually that way, right? There's no break, there's no interruption. So, what do we hear when we hear pray continually? Is this a sense of always uh, murmuring under our breath, (laughs) prayers to God, is it, or, or is it just the habitual, regular prayers, maybe even, uh, you know, things that we say without thinking about them? You know, we just pray on a regular basis and, and pray in that way. What does praying continually look like? It's nice, as we think about praying, it's nice to be in a place like this, where we are reminded 
of special special prayers or maybe we're reminded to pray in a special way. But we, we also know that God is everywhere, right? So we can pray anywhere, anywhere that we are. We can talk to God because God is there. Maybe we do find a special place to pray on our own. Maybe there's a place in our house that we go and that's a special place for us to to connect with God in a certain way. Or maybe we simply pray as we're walking along during the day or as we're driving along during, during the day. So does this um, encouragement from Paul to pray continually, does this mean that we don't take any breaks in our speaking to God as we maybe murmur under our breath? Or does it mean that God is in our minds, that, that we are thinking about Him as we consider the events of the day, and we are reminded of Him and bring our thoughts to Him. It simply means that, that, that He is on our mind and we come to Him with our thoughts. So what do we pray for continually? Well, we pray about the things that come to us in life. The things that might make it hard to rejoice. As we think about being joyful in difficult circumstances, we come to God in prayer. And this goes along well with the next thing that Paul tells us. Give thanks in all circumstances. Again, we have another all. All circumstances. This all comes along with something else that we are encouraged to do. So we had always be joyful, always be praying, and always give thanks. We might come to God in prayer more easily when things are not going well, as we think about prayer as asking God for something. So if things are not going well, we come to Him to, in prayer maybe very easily. We might come to God in thanksgiving very easily when things are going well, as we think about giving thanks to Him um, as reflecting on the good things that are happening in life. So we see things going well and we give thanks to Him. Can we also come to God in thanksgiving when things are not going well? Can we also come to God in prayer when things are going well? Coming to Him in prayer can take a load off of us as we give things to Him even in good times. Even in good times, there are still things to bring to God. Giving thanks can remind us of the things that God has done. Because even in bad times, we can see the good things that God has done. So these things all go together really well. Rejoicing always as we pray continually and as we give thanks in all circumstances. And God gives us a good word along with this. He says, uh, Paul says uh, to us, For this is God's will for you, in Christ Jesus. Isn't that a nice thought? God doesn't want us to be burdened by these things and walk through life alone and be discouraged. He wants us to be able to rejoice, to pray, to give thanks. And as we do, this brings us close to Him. But these also are not just abstract ideas that we conjure up out of nowhere. They have a context. The following verses are not necessarily specifically only focused on this, 
this rejoicing and praying and thanking God. They are more broad than that, but as I said, we will apply them in particular to what we are thinking about here, rejoicing, praying, and thanking God. Do not quench the Spirit, Paul says. Now here, Paul is referring to the broad work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, and not necessarily in particular the gifts of the Spirit, if you have that in mind from other places that Paul writes. It's, it's really the broad working of the Holy Spirit in our lives. The Holy Spirit is working in our lives to encourage us. And Paul says, don't work against Him. Don't work against the work of the Holy Spirit. Specifically, we don't want to neglect God's Word, which is how He works in us. We want to encourage the work of God's Word in us, in our lives. Do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all, is what Paul says. Now, we might think of prophecies as looking ahead to the future and telling what's going to come. And sometimes prophecy is that. But, more generally, prophecy is, is simply speaking God's Word, declaring, in a firm way, the truth that comes from God. That's prophecy. So where might we hear prophecies as we consider them in this way? Well, we could hear them in a sermon. We could hear them in Sunday school. We could hear them in Bible study. We could hear them uh, as we remind each other of the promises that we find in God's Word. That's a, that's a prophecy in a, in a way, as we speak God's Word to one another. But Paul reminds us not simply to accept everything that we hear that we might like, if we hear these, whether it's in a sermon or a Bible study or Sunday school or, or speaking to one another, not just to accept it, but test what we hear. Look at Scripture. We do that, we test it by knowing God's Word, by being familiar with His Word, being familiar with the Bible, so that we can see if what we hear agrees with what we know to be true. And so we do that, we test it. And then Paul says, hold on to what is good and reject every kind of evil. Now, what kinds of things could be good? What, the kinds of things that are good are those things that point us to God, to our need for Him and what He has done and what He does for us. What, what kinds of things would be evil? Well, those are things that point us to ourselves or to something else in the world that turns us away from God or causes us to hope in something else or believe something that's not true. Now, as I describe these two different things, describing good, the good and the evil in this way, we could, we could spend a lot of time exploring what that means. And uh, this has, of course, broad implications for our whole lives as we consider how we hear God. But for today, we're going to focus on the themes of the season of Advent, as I've mentioned, and we will focus specifically on our theme for today of joyful anticipation. How does this apply to that? We heard in our gospel reading about John the Baptist and the message he had for people. There is one who is coming and he will work powerfully in your lives. Is that a word that can give joyful anticipation? If we hear that message, we want to know the person who will do that. If we put ourselves in the place of those who were waiting for a promised Savior, it was God's word and His promises that kept them looking forward in joyful anticipation, even through some very terrible times. 
This is the anticipation of Jesus' first coming, declared in God's word. It's the good that could be held on to. For us, the reality of the first coming is, is there. It's a reality. We don't look for that in joyful anticipation. We look back on it joyfully as a reality. And that's what we celebrate at this time of year. Our culture has taken Christmas and taken God out of the celebration, many times at least. And so the spirit of the season, if you hear that you know, in a movie or wherever it may be, if you hear somebody talking about the, the spirit of the season, the spirit of Christ, Christmas, oftentimes this is some vague sense of hope and love and, and joy that's not really based on anything in particular. Or maybe it's actually based on something false, like, like maybe it's based on this idea that there is a general goodness in humanity if we only give it a chance. And so, and so Christmas kind of gives us this hope and, and joy from that kind of sense of the goodness of humanity. But that's not what God tells us. Our hope and joy in this season come from the joyful reality of God's gifts to us. The gift that began as a baby and grew into a man who would give his life for us. That's specific. And in the reality of Jesus' first coming, we now have the anticipation of his second coming, of his return. And we we have clear promises in God's word about Jesus' return. As we hold on to the true prophecies, as the Holy Spirit works through them, we hold on to these, those things that give us a joyful anticipation of Jesus' return. Now, so far we have heard Paul talk about our actions related to joy and, and prayer and, and thanksgiving. He's talked about our response to prophecy that comes from God as we, as we test it and we receive what is good and true. He also has talked about the work of the Holy Spirit. As, as God is active in all of this, we aren't alone, just waiting for Him. This next section, again, applies more broadly to life than just joyful anticipation. But again, let's think about it this morning in connection with what Paul says about our joyful anticipation. Here's what he says. May God Himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. The God of peace, Paul says. Joy is related to the peace of patience that we found last week. As God gives us joy, He gives us peace. Or maybe I could say that the other way around, too. As God gives us peace, He gives us joy. As we desire to listen to the truth from God's Word, reject the wrong that we hear in other places, and live good lives, Paul acknowledges that it is God Himself that makes those things happen in us. And how does He do that? Paul says... He sanctifies us. He sets us apart for Him and shapes us to conform to who He is. And Paul's prayer here is that God would do that through, through all of who we are, through our whole lives. That all of us, all of each one of us individually, our whole being would be a reflection of that. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. As we look forward to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, as God aligns us with His truth, 
his righteousness, his purity in this life, we see that in conjunction with Jesus coming again. We know that we will never be entirely righteous and blameless in this life. But we also know that that's what's in store for us when Jesus comes again and we are all made perfect. Paul's prayer is that God would work towards that in us even now in this life. That our whole being would be aligned with God. That our thoughts and our attitudes and our desires and our actions, all of it, would be related to God's will and who He is. So how does this relate to joyful anticipation? As we look forward in, in joyful anticipation of, of Jesus' return, as we rejoice always, pray continually, and give thanks in all circumstances, or as we ask God to help move us in that direction, the reality of Jesus' return and what that will mean for us has an impact on how we live our lives. Just as looking forward to the promised Savior had an impact on those who were waiting, on how those who were waiting for Him lived their lives. As God works in our lives, we have a God-given desire to live like it, to live holy and blameless lives. And if we may have doubts as to whether we can, or whether we will be blameless before God when Jesus returns, even if all our actions haven't been perfect, or we might say, even though our actions have not all been perfect, we are reminded that God plays the crucial part in all of this. And Paul concludes his prayer in this way. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. Now, you may recognize or remember these last couple verses as a blessing that I have used before at the end of the service. You might not be surprised if, uh, if you hear it again today as the blessing after the service today. What a wonderful promise that God is faithful and He works in our lives. And as He does that, He works all that is needed to bring us to Him. Joyful anticipation. That's our theme today. As we think back to the promises that God made about a Savior and how those were accomplished in Jesus... And as we think back to the promises that he has made about Jesus' return, what a wonderful promise that God is faithful and that God will work in us and has worked in us. That God will even give us joy, even in times where joy is hard to find in life. That he will give us the words to pray when it might even be hard to pray. And that he will remind us of the things that he has done for which we can give thanks in all circumstances. So as we wait in anticipation for Jesus' return, as we remember the anticipation that, that some saw the fulfillment of, for example, the shepherds, as they went with joy to meet this baby, we also can wait in joyful anticipation for what God has promised. And we can live our lives through God working in us and through us as that joyful anticipation is reflected in our lives in rejoicing and prayer and thanksgiving. Let's pray. Father, thank you for 
the encouragement that Paul gives to rejoice, to pray, to give thanks. And we thank you also that you are the one who works faithfully in our lives so that we can do these things, even though it may be hard on some days to do it. And so we ask you that you would work in us, remind us of your love and faithfulness so that we can rejoice, so that we can pray, and so that we can give thanks in everything that comes our way, every day. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.